0: what we needed after a nice meal. Soft song. (laughs) Stay awake now. Stay awake. Stay with me. I'll I'll make it quick this afternoon. Productivity principles from Proverbs, okay? And a very important, very practical message. But before, before we get into the message, we have a bulletin. Next slide, please. Bulletin. Breaking news. Church cleans out fridge. Church, he you, know, you say, well, what, what's, what's that all about? Have you ever checked out our refrigerator here? We're blessed with a huge refrigerator. I've been back there when either my wife or usually Miss Sandy or Miss Sharon or somebody says, there's some stuff in there that I don't know what that is or how long it's been there. And it's scary, folks, what we have pulled out of that refrigerator at times. I mean, I've almost thought that my wife or some of these ladies, they should have a hazmat suit. Well, anyway, here's here's an article. Little Rock, Arkansas. Berean Baptist Church made history this week, becoming the first church on record to perform a full and detailed cleaning of its refrigerator. The church's leadership board approved the deep cleaning upon discovering the grape juice bottles stored up for communion had begun to ferment, creating a serious problem in the church. The janitorial crew arrived in full biohazard gear late Thursday night, quarantining the fridge in a radiation-proof tent before cracking it open and going to work. What in the world is that? Those are Mrs. Garcia's famous spicy enchiladas, Bob, the head of the custodial staff, exclaimed excitingly as the dish was extracted with a special tool. The glass tray of food was reportedly glowing in a strange green hue with several tentacle-like appendages protruding from the top of the aluminum foil. Bad news is that was Mrs. Garcia's famous spicy enchiladas. She passed away back in 1978. (laughs) (laughs) I'm telling you, if you've ever looked in the fridge back... Now, we've never served any of that stuff, but we have found that stuff. The biohazard disposal crew ran into a potentially deadly situation in the fourth hour of the procedure as a stack of casseroles left on the bottom shelf had taken on life form and attempted to crawl away. Uh, But it was all handled in due time. So that's from what Little Rock, Arkansas Berean Baptist Church. So we have to be careful, folks. You bring something, you put it in the fridge. It it needs to have a shelf life. It needs to be taken care of. But am I not right, Sharon? We have found stuff in there that uh, we probably should have had a hazmat team come and take care of it. But anyway, back to the issue at hand. Productivity principles from Proverbs. I love Proverbs. It's practical. It's the kind of stuff that we not only can understand, but it's the kind of thing that can help us live our lives better. And we're talking about productivity tonight. There was a time here in the United States that people aspire to be productive. And you might think, well, everybody's that way today. That is not the case. Let me, let me share with you a portion of an article, uh, or a, I don't know if it was an article, but it was a, a, a topic that Bill O'Reilly, most of you know Bill O'Reilly, Fox News, seems like a, a fair and balanced guy and a reasonable guy. Anyway, he had this editorial, and let me read it to you because it deals with the subject at hand. This is Bill O'Reilly. I'm reading his editorial. He says, I am flashing back to my school teaching days. Last night I told you the committed left, uh, I told you last night the committed left is furious. Furious that people like me are telling Americans the truth, that the USA is becoming an entitlement society. Now, he's asked the question, why should you care about that? He cites this. In 1991, individuals in 41 million American households were receiving some kind of entitlement outside of Medicare and Social Security. So what he's talking about is not people receiving Medicare or Social Security. He's talking about other money sources that that people are getting. So he says in 1991 there were 41 million. Now the number is an astounding 107 million Americans. He says... It's increased 161% while the population has increased just 24%. Now, that should be troubling to all of us in here. That should be troubling to all of us. I remember a time in my lifetime where people were embarrassed and ashamed to take anything from the government. Now, we're not talking about what you've earned. You know, Medicare and and Social Security, you've paid into that, you you earned that. And, uh, I mean, I'm right there. Sharon and I went this past week up to uh, Alpena, because uh, I'm going to be eligible for Medicare starting in January. I know I don't look that old, but I'm going to be eligible in January. So we're we're not talking about that. But we're, we're talking about so many other things. And we're not talking about people who rightly deserve such. There are people that we want to take care of. But whereas years ago, most people were embarrassed to take anything from the government... Today, it seems to be an ever increasing number of people who are doing everything they can to get things out of the government, even if they have to defraud the government. Claim claims that aren't true. We've had this completely reversal change of mindset. That's troubling. That's troubling to guys like Bill O'Reilly. Anyway, he goes on to say, You can see, anybody can see, That the entitlement society is exploding in America. There's no question about it. Yet liberals will deny it's happening or say it's all because of the bad economy, which is, in his word, flat out false. He says, and what does this do? He said, well, it saps motivation. Why work when the feds will give you enough to get by? America, he says, and he's dead on right about this, America became great because of individual self-reliance. Hardworking people who took chances, suffered, created things that helped the the country. Everyday Americans empowered this nation. Now get this, folks. Everyday Americans empowered this nation, not the federal and state governments. Amen? Amen? The federal and state government was minimalistic through much of our early history. Minimal what they did. And yet this was a thriving, robust nation. And as the as as the role of the federal government increases, the state of the citizens of this nation decreases. He says this: everyday Americans empower this nation, not the federal and state governments. They're in place to protect us and to see that social order is kept, not to provide cradle to grave security. The founding fathers did not want that. Now understand this. The more, and this is me talking, the more that people feel entitled, the higher the risk that our system will implode. You understand that? The more that Americans think that they are entitled, give me free this, free education, free college, free everything, you know, a hundred days off vacation, you know, two years off for maternity leave, and, you know, on and on it goes. The more people expect entitlements, the higher risk that the system will implode. More people dependent and fewer people providing is an unsustainable situation. That's just common sense. And let me say that again. More people dependent on government... And fewer people providing is an unsustainable situation. It is going to implode. The more people have their hands out and the fewer people there are working. It's going to implode upon itself. It cannot work. It will not work. It does not work. That's one of the reasons the Bible very clearly teaches that we are to be personally responsible. We are to be productive citizens. In fact, you've heard me read this verse before, 2 Thessalonians 3.10. Couldn't say it any clearer. For even when we were with you, this we commanded you, said Paul to the Thessalonians. What did he command? That if any would not work, neither should he eat. Now, it goes without saying, we're not talking about people who are aged, as you get older, you are less capable of, of being productive. We understand that. That is a given. Those dear people need to be taken care of. And we're not talking about the disabled. You know, nobody expects disabled people to be able to, to, to do that much to care for themselves. We're all about helping uh, those people, the aged and, and the disabled. But the Bible says if a man would not work, neither should he eat. The Bible teaches us that, therefore, we are to be productive. Productive with our talents, productive with our energy, productive with our time. In fact, in a negative way, the Bible is very clearly critical of slothfulness and being a sluggard. Okay? People that just want to lay around all day with their hands out all the time is a detriment to society. Listen to what the Bible says. Proverbs 19.15, slothfulness, or laziness, casteth into a deep sleep, and an idle soul shall, he, shall suffer hunger. Okay, the, the Bible clearly condemns laziness. We need to get up every day committed to working, and working hard, and being productive. Uh, verse number 4 of chapter 20, the sluggard, or the lazy person, will not plow by reason of the cold, therefore shall he beg and harvest and have nothing. The Bible shows no sympathy whatsoever for the person who can work, can be productive, and won't work, and won't be productive. And that's not being cruel and insensitive. That's just the understanding of the facts that, you know, if everybody's riding in the wagon, the wagon's not going to go anywhere unless you have somebody pushing the wagon. And when you have too many people in the wagon and not enough people pushing the wagon, guess what? You're you're just stalled. You're not going anywhere. And that's where our economy has been headed, to, to stalling out. Too many people in the wagon and not enough people pushing the wagon. And the more people you get out of the wagon pushing the wagon, the wagon becomes lighter and you make more progress as a people and as a nation. And not only must we practice this, but we've got to... Make sure our children, teenagers, and, and little kids understand that. Uh, the book of Proverbs has a lot to say about this, a whole lot to say about productivity. And I, I'm, this is a topic that interests me greatly. In fact, most every morning I am online, I got a couple sites that I go to that talk about this. Uh, one of the best is Dave Ramsey. He has, uh, you know, he's into finances and helping people with their personal finances, but he also has a, um, a big interest in entrepreneurs, and especially small, you know, you know, entrepreneurs just starting out in the business world. He, he wrote a book entitled Entree Leadership. He's got a podcast, and I listen to that, and it's all about how you can be more productive, how you can be a better leader, and that's very important. We only got one shot at this life. Now, there's a time and there's a place for rest, There's a time, there's a place for a vacation. There's a time, there's a place for a a day off. I mean, even Jesus taught that. I think Jesus worked hard. Jesus was on the move. Jesus was doing things. Jesus was putting up with those disciples and all of their nonsense and teaching them and everybody coming to him either with their hand held out or wanting to slap him in the face, one or the other. But but even he said there were some times we got to go away we got to take a, a, a day off. So we want to be, you know, that's one of the themes of my ministry. We want to be balanced. There is a time to, to, to slow down. There's, there's time time, you know, during, during the Christmas holidays. There, there's a Wednesday there between New Year's and Christmas. We're not going to have a service. And those two Sundays, we're just going to have one. We're a hard-working church. We got a lot going on. I mean, there were people up here yesterday working hard. There were people here Thursday night at the banquet and helping with that and whatever. So it, it's, it's a good season. While we'll have family in, you'll probably, hopefully, have family in. and We slow it down a little bit. But then we crank it back up at the beginning of the year. Why? Because... We need to be productive. Now, the neat thing about it is, not everybody understands how to be productive, how to be effective. And that's one of the reasons I read these articles and listen to these podcasts. Because as, as a pastor of a church, you know, I want to be productive. I don't want to waste my time. I don't want to waste your time. But if you want some great principles on how to be productive, you need to look any further than in your own Bible and in the book of Proverbs. We're going to look at 10 of them real quick. And you say, oh, 10? Well, we'll go through them quickly. We'll, t- we'll go just, just like that. But, and you have the, you have the outline and you have the references here and this should help you. Look, this would apply to kids. This would apply to teenagers. This would apply to working moms, stay at home moms, uh, dads, guys that still, ha- and women who still have their health and yet they may be retired right now. The, these are principles that can apply to everyone because we want to get it right. We want to be balanced. We want to have those days off. We want to have those downtimes. That's important so that you can be more productive. Okay, if you never have time off or downtime, then you're going to, over time, you're just going to decrease in your productivity. So let's look at these ten principles real quick. Principles from Proverbs about uh, productivity. Number one, productivity is a result of intrinsic motivation and self-direction. Intrinsic motivation and self-direction. In other words, if you're going to be productive, it starts within. You know, it can't be somebody... Telling you to be productive. Now, that might be the case with your children as you're training them and teaching them the importance of uh, being productive and doing things right. But with us adults, it starts within. Because we all know people who don't have that intrinsic motivation. I mean, we, we can go around the streets of this county tomorrow and we're gonna find folks at home, folks that don't wanna work, folks that don't have the character to work. Proverbs 6 6. Go to the ant, thou sluggard, consider her ways, and be wise. Now look at verse number 7. Which having no guide, overseer, or ruler, provideth her meat in the summer, and gathereth her food in the harvest. The ant is an illustration to us from Scripture of something that works hard and is diligent, and it acknowledges there, it doesn't have a guide, doesn't have an overseer, doesn't have a ruler. The implication is it it just comes intrinsically. It comes from within. This is what they do. That's the nature of ants. And we need to understand that if you're going to be productive, it's got to come from within. Because if you want to stay home and sleep in late and get up late and hardly get anything done, you have the option to do that. But the Bible is telling us, no, that's not what you're supposed to be like. You're supposed to be like the ant. You're supposed to be intrinsically motivated to be productive during the course of your day. Number two, resist the temptation to continually chase new ideas. Focus on the responsibilities you have been called to to do. Put the gifts and talents you have been given to work. You know, I've known of preachers, and in some cases they may have to, but in other cases I know they didn't have to, that not only have their pastoral duties and responsibilities but they dabble in real estate, they dabble in this, they, d- they dabble in that. Now, I'm not talking about bivocational pastors that have no choice. I admire those men. There are men that pastor little churches and, you know, for them to be able to remain pastor there, to be able to feed their family, they gotta take a part time job here, maybe even a full time job, and they work twice as hard as, as a lot of people. I'm not talking about those guys. I'm talking about guys of, of, of bigger churches who want to have more income and just aren't satisfied with what they have, and so they're pursuing this, they're pursuing that, and, and, and all of that sort of thing, and, and you're not focused. Proverbs twelve eleven says, He that tilleth his land shall be satisfied with bread, but he that followeth vain persons is void of understanding. In other words, if you're chasing this, and if you're chasing that, and you're following, this person has talked you into doing that, and this person has talked you into doing that, you, you don't get anywhere fast. And, and you're, you're not being as productive as you should be. We need to be focused. You know, he that tilleth his land shall be satisfied with bread. Finding what God has called you to do and then pursue it to the best of your ability using the talents and the gifts God has given you. Number three, being responsible and diligent will probably lead you to opportunities for greater influence and leadership. There's some blessings that come from working hard. Proverbs 22, Seest thou a man diligent in his business? He's diligent. He's working hard at it. He takes it seriously. He is committed to it. He shall stand before kings. He shall not stand before mean men. In other words, he's not going to be judged of 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 someone for being uh, lazy and lackadaisical. No, a man that's diligent in his business shall stand before kings. Right now, Um, President-elect Trump is meeting with potential members of his government, members of the cabinet. I have not seen one dropout in society that chooses to live under a bridge being called in to be considered for any of those positions. You follow what I'm saying? He's looking for men who have a, and women who have a reputation of accomplishment, of, of, of doing things. And, and getting things done. Though, you know, people that work hard can also, one of the blessings of that is those are the people of, of influence. Those are the people that get things done. Those are the kinds of people that we can listen to. Number four, understand this. Number four and five almost sound like they're going to be contradictory, but they're not. But what does number four say? Number four says, productivity is messy. Where no oxen are, the crib is clean. But much increases by the strength of the ox. You know, if you want everything to be tidy and neat and perfectly in order, then you're not going to have an ox. If you don't have an ox, then you're not going to get the work done, is what it's teaching here. So productivity is messy. My, my son Matt over in Illinois is, in, in, you know, an entree leader, if you will, an entrepreneur uh, with his um, media management uh, business that, that he has started and that, that can be messy. I, I gotta go meet with this person. I gotta go meet with this person. This, this didn't go well. Now I gotta do this. Now I gotta go back and fix this. And I gotta work on this. And it's, it's messy in, in that sense. But that's what it takes to get off the ground. You're finding your way. You're working hard. You're trying different things and finding out what works for you and what doesn't work. So it can be messy. And you just have to be able to deal with that. Somebody, I can't take the stress of working. I can't take the stress of doing this or doing that. Understand that it's going to be messy. Now, there's a balance to that. Number five, when everything is a mess all the time, that's a sign that you're not being productive. You know, at some point in time, that, that messy stack of papers on your desk ought to be, you know, filed away where it ought to be. Verse number 30 of Proverbs 24, I went by the field of the slothful and by the vineyard of the man void of understanding. And lo, it was all grown over with thorns, and nettles had covered the face thereof, and the stone wall thereof was broken down. Went by this man's field, went by his vineyard, and it was just a mess. You know, you you go by up here, you go by some gardens, and I mean, it's beautiful, well manicured, well taken care of, everything is in order. And then you go by somebody's garden and the fence is knocked down and weeds are growing up and it's just, it, it's just a mess. And that's a sign that that garden's not going to be productive. But over here where everything is being taken care of and is neat and is well maintained, everything is in order, that's going to be productive. So on the one hand, there's going to be some messiness. But on the other hand, at some point in time, things should be in order. Things should be done decently. Number six, in productivity, as in all things, talk is cheap. Don't tell me your life mission. Tell me the one step you took yesterday toward your most important goal or project. We have all met and known people that are struggling. Struggling, I'm talking about financially, struggling with just caring for themselves, caring for their family, not making any real contribution to society. They're not, take, they're not paying taxes. They're taking taxes from you and me to feed their kids and shoe their, you know, shoe their kids and, and, and that sort of thing. You know, and, and lots of times those kind of people, you know, well, it's going to get better. I'm going to do this. And the next time you hear him, no, it's going to be this other venture. And the next time, no, it's going to be this. And it's, it's always when my, ship, when my ship comes in, I'm, I'm going to do this or that. You know, what does, the, what does the Bible say? In all labor, not in all talk, in all dreams, in all labor there is profit. But the talk of the lips tendeth only to penury, which means Poverty. If all you're going to do is talk, and you can talk the ears off a billy goat, as my mom has said many times in the past, if that's all you're going to do, you're going to find yourself not being a productive citizen. Number seven, laziness not only leads to less productivity, it creates obstacles for productivity. On the other hand, the more productive you are, the easier being productive becomes. Proverbs 15, 19, The way of the slothful man is a hedge of thorns. His way, the lazy man, it's one problem after another. It's one issue after another. It's one challenge after another. But the way of the righteous is made plain. We tend oftentimes, and I'm sure there's exceptions, but we tend oftentimes to create our own path or to create our own obstacles. I mean, the slothful man. His, his way through life is a hedge of thorns. Well, I thought you just got a job. I did. Well, you don't have that job anymore? No, I lost it. Why'd you lose it? Well, I, I showed up to work late three out of the first five days, and they said, we're, we're not going to need you. And, boy, life, life is, is getting hard. You know, I'm thinking, why, didn't you sh- why were you late three out of five? Your first five days. I mean, if anything, your first week there, aren't you there a half hour early showing them that you're excited about what you're doing? You see, he's created his own difficult path, he's created his own hedge of thorns. As opposed to the other guy, he said, I heard you got a new job. Yeah, and I got a promotion. How's that? He said, well, they were impressed. You know, my first month there, I was showing up a half hour uh, before time, excited to be there. And I was there a half hour after everybody else went home. And now I'm the assistant manager, and they tell me the way things are going. I'm going to be the manager. The way of the righteous is made plain. You know, as I read these principles, I think to myself, well, aren't, isn't this a given? Doesn't everybody know this? Apparently not. Right? Apparently not. Because I see a lot of people, and they're, they're the ones telling me, yeah, I got fired. Yeah, I got dismissed. And, you know, it's always somebody else's fault, too. That's the other aspect of it. But we won't go there. Three more. Number eight, productive people are not know-it-alls. They understand they will get better results if they get other people's advice. Boy, one of the saddest situations I see are people that you can't tell them anything. I end up just shutting my mouth. And they, okay, I can't talk over them. And they've always got some excuses as to why they can dismiss what I'm advising. People that are successful, listen. You know? And say what you will about our, our president-elect. I guess I can talk about him now because he is our president-elect. Say what you will about him. But I've heard people that know him best say he listens. He will, he will listen to people. And that's a very important, based on a Bible principle. He may not be doing it based on a Bible principle, but Proverbs fifteen twenty two: without counsel, purposes are disappointed. But in the multitude of counselors, they are established. Don't think that you can be successful on your own and by yourself. You need to listen to other people. You need to be willing to make changes. You may may need to be willing to reconsider the direction you were going. It is a smart thing. It is a wise thing to listen to other people. Number nine, planning is important. Planning shouldn't be avoided on account of God's sovereignty, nor should you elevate planning as if we can direct our destinies. In other words, that statement there is another statement of balance. There are some people that say, well, I, you might ask, them, what are your plans about your future? I don't know, I'm just leaving it all up to God. Well, that, that sounds real, real spiritual, but did, not get, did God give you a brain, you know? Are you not able to think, and don't you know that you have the responsibilities to provide for yourself and provide for, for your family? You know, don't don't lay it off on on God, and that's what this is saying here. Nor should you uh, alleviate planning as if uh, he, you know, excuse me, as if we can direct our own destinies. Y- yeah, you both plan and pray about it. You don't just pray about it and never plan, and you don't plan and never pray about it. Again, a mature Christian understands that very clearly. Commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be. Establish thy thoughts unto the Lord. And then lastly, number 10. Thoughtful progress over the long haul is better than quick bursts of effort that lack direction. The thoughts of the diligent tend only to plenteousness. But everyone that is hasty, only to want. The Lord is teaching us it is wise to be thoughtful and thoughtful. And diligent. It is not wise to be hasty, to be impulsive, to be emotional about things. God is going to bless the efforts of the diligent, not the hasty. Folks, if you examine successful people, I promise you this whether they're saved, and in many cases, whether they are lost, they are successful because they, are, they, they may not know these as Bible principles. The lost people may not, but they, they know these principles. And these are principles that God will bless. And these are principles we need to make sure that we're living each and every day because God wants us to be productive, and if we're not careful, we'll get, become wrapped up in this society that's ever increasingly believing you owe me. The government should pay for my medication. They, they say that, that uh, health care is a right, and then I heard another person say, no, it's a responsibility. We won't get into that discussion this afternoon, but that's kind of what we're talking about, you know. We have to be careful that we just don't go down the pike with everybody else and jump off the bridge thinking that the government owes us everything. Because guess what? The government, Brother Bob, confirmed this or not? The government doesn't produce wealth. <laughs> Bob, he found that humorous. <laughs> no. Whatever money the government gets, guess where it comes from? Reach for your wallet. It's coming. Government doesn't create wealth. And the more the, le- the fewer people that are, that are producing wealth creates an unsustainable situation that is going to collapse, and that's when you get real riots, and that's when you get a dictator take over and say, this is how it's going to be. When a nation ceases to become responsible for themselves, somebody will take over. We've seen that throughout history. But let us as Christians value God's word and the principles and proverbs that teach us that we're to be productive. And again, I realize some of you in the heyday, you were very productive. And today, as you get older, you just can't do what you used to do. I understand that. And we're grateful for the work that you did when you were able to do it. And we should care for you. And then there are certain people that are just disabled, sometimes physically, sometimes emotionally, mentally, and nobody would ever want to keep from them. But able-bodied people ought to be people that are highly motivated to be productive and to work hard. This last quote, we're done. Productivity is never an accident. It is always the result of a commitment to excellence, intelligent planning, and focused effort. That's what you want your children to learn and live, and that's what we need to be an example of for them. Let's stand, please, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed.